understated presents LA Underground with Lucan. Girl, I'll house you. Say what? LA Underground. Now give me something to dance to. Dance to. Understated LA. This is only the beginning. Clever the way everything blends together. And my sound's laid down by the underground. LA Underground. Avec Ruka. Ruka. You're listening to the Understated Recordings Podcast, L.A. Underground. I've had this vision. Welcome to the latest edition of Understated Presents LA Underground with me, Rukin. It's so good to be back and it was so good to see so many faces at The Giving Tree, which was the end of year affair and a collaboration between Understated Recordings and the LA Music Project, otherwise known as LAMP. It was such a good night down at Patton Bar and got us right in the spirit for the new year. This week, I sit down with one of the co-founders of Understated Recordings and also one of the hottest DJs rising up through the ranks of Los Angeles. It's Monsieur Frazier, and he drops an exceptional hot mix at the end of the interview as well, so hang around for that. If you haven't already, please go on and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way it'll pop into your inbox every time. And please leave a review as well. Let us know what you think. And if you have any suggestions or any thoughts about what you'd like to experience or people you'd like to hear interviewed on the show, feel free to reach out to me at, at Samuel Rukin on Twitter or at Understated LA, which is the record label's handle too. Anyway, without further ado, let's get involved. As per usual, we are premiering a hot new track from Understated Recordings at the top of the show right now. And this week, first up, it's Raid Zero with the title track from the EP, Vision. Let's go.
And coming up right now is the second track from the EP, and it's 303 Electronic. since we started the show off with some techno and boy is this good techno I think it's going to do really well for the label this release so as promised here is the interview with co-founder of Understated Recordings and hot LA DJ Monsieur Frazier so it's with great pleasure today that we welcome to the studio one of the co-founders of Understated Recordings and therefore a collaborator now with Understated <laughs> Presents LA Underground. It's Monsieur Frazier. How are you? Hey, hey, man, what's up? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Now, if you don't know who Monsieur Frazier is, uh, I'll be surprised, but let me give you a little bit of a heads up. So he is an LA native, a true Angelino, and someone who yeah. really is a staple on the house music scene in Los Angeles. He's a true selector one of the finest DJs on the circuit, playing anything through from disco 
all the way to techno and everything in between. If there's a party in LA that's worth going to, Monsieur Frazier's played it. And in 2017, along with Andrew Condy uh, and a few others, they founded Understated Recordings, which is now rising up the ranks as one of the hottest labels coming out of Los Angeles and a real nucleus for the underground scene and all of the crews in Los Angeles. And I am so delighted that the podcast LA Underground has teamed up with Understated. I should also mention that uh, Monsieur Fraser is one of the residents at Sound Nightclub, somewhere you'll see him probably more frequently than anywhere else. But like I say, he pops up all over Los Angeles in warehouses, <laughs> nightclubs from east to west. Um, you are a true Los Angeles DJ. Yes, that's right. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. That, that was a, a beautiful intro. Made me feel, made me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you. you know, I've been really excited to have you on even before we decided to join forces because, you know, you're kind of a rare thing these days. You know, there's so yeah. many um, DJs right now who are locked into what seems to be the necessary groove of producing and DJing and producing, fueling the possibilities yeah, of a DJ career. Definitely. But you're a rare beast because you um, are someone who really sticks to your guns on being a DJ first. Yes, Talk absolutely. a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think DJing is just something that comes really natural to me. Uh, it's something I don't ever have to force. It's, it's kind of just pouring out of me at all times, I feel like. Um, I did the whole production thing and I do like it. I do enjoy it. Um, and I still am producing actually, I've just been doing it very quietly. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, but it's not my favorite thing on top, you know, aside from DJing being my favorite thing. So, um, you know, I, I, it's a lot of the, just the tediousness of producing kind of, uh, just, I don't know. I don't think it stimulates me in the way that DJing fully does. I, I like the immediacy of DJing. I like knowing that I picked out a really good, you know, found, dug for some really good music and found it and seeing that like effect on the crowd and, and like just knowing that I have, you know, it kind of validates like my, you know, my, who I am as a person, like my taste in music, my, my taste in art, my taste in, in culture, you know, um, I think DJing speaks to all of that. Um, whereas like producing, it's kind of, you know, you can produce whatever you want, but I feel like sometimes you can, uh, you can get stuck in a box, you can chase a subgenre or a genre or whatever. And I don't think it allows you to fully creatively express you know, the full scope of who you may be as a person. Whereas I feel like DJing, you can kind of pick and pull bits and pieces from different aspects of your life and, excuse me, different things you've been into and kind of piece together a story, so. And growing up in LA, you know, you were always surrounded, presumably, by uh, a very rich music scene. Absolutely. Um, was there a lot of music in your house as well? Like, where where, where would you say that your first musical influences um, came from that you, uh, that you can connect through to where you are now? Yeah, definitely my parents. Uh, so speaking of, you know, also back to DJing, my, my father was a DJ as well. So, oh, really? Yeah. So he uh, in, in Baltimore. So he played a lot of uh, he played a lot of funk and a lot of uh, disco and a lot of early hip hop stuff as well. Um, and then um, my mom is from Baltimore as well. So she grew up on a lot of like uh, she was in her 20s when like house music was coming up on the East Coast. So she she was around. So she, she used to go to this house club called Odell's uh, in Baltimore. And so. In my house growing up and you know in the 90s there was a lot of you know early house and a lot of hip-hop a lot of funk um a lot of michael jackson a lot of uh, a lot of r&b music um and a lot of yeah a lot of a lot of dr dre and snoop dogg as well because my parents had just moved out here from the east coast so they were getting into the culture of what the music was out here as well so 
yeah, I grew up like listening to, you know, the Rick James, nothing but a G thing, Michael Jackson, um, you know, all some Stephanie Mills. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of that. So, uh, yeah, so there was, there was a ton of music in my house. Um, and it definitely influenced the way that I select music and the way that I hear music and listen to music. Um, also just, I, music has just been a part of me for, I, I, you know, since I can, for as long as I can remember, it's, it's just something that I've always gravitated towards and I've had a, a very strong interest in and have really, has, I've really connected with it just in a, on a very deep level from a very young age. So yeah, I grew up uh, listening to, yeah, a lot of West Coast hip hop, um, a lot of stuff that was hip hop that was on the radio, a lot of R&B that was on the radio, but I was also into like everything from like Hanson to, to Limp Bizkit growing up as well. So just crazy, you know, range. Did you ever did you ever go with your dad to a DJ gig that he was playing? Have you seen him DJ? No, I've seen him DJ once in his garage. Like he like, bare, but it was like barely. He wasn't really doing anything. <laughs> but uh, I've never seen he he had, I think he had long stopped by the time that he had my brother and I. Um, but and I actually didn't find out recently to, that he was a DJ. Um, so very like maybe like a couple years ago. But I mean, it makes sense. Like he has a lot of music. He has a lot of. Uh, he has really good taste in music as well. And I could definitely tell that it came from, for me, that it came from somewhere, you know? So, um, when you moved out of your house, did you, um, whistle away any records of his? Uh, no, I don't have any, anything of his, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I know he, I think when, I think there's some records of his though, that, that are still in my house. Yeah. That where I grew up. Yeah. I, th I think there's still something there. I know my mom and him have some records there for sure. I have a couple of my mom's records, but not, I don't, maybe they're his, I don't know, but there's some there. <laughs> when was the first time that you realized that you could um, go on a journey with records and include other people in that and get them dancing? Um, I think I, it's something that I've always wanted to do. So I think when I realized I could actually do it was when I was in college when I, like, I lived in a crazy party house with like six other guys, so in, in Santa Barbara, which is like the craziest party school. What year so, was this? This is uh, from 2008 to, to 2010. I only went there for a couple of years, but, um, and I lived in like the craziest college town in the country. So there was always a party going on and I, I would always just wanting to be selecting music because I believed that deeply in like my taste in music and just like my ability to curate music and like soundtrack, you know, people's night and like soundtrack the pregame and then like soundtrack going out to the party and soundtrack coming back to my house for like after parties and stuff like that. So I think it was around that time when I was like, okay, I could actually do this. And this is something I've always wanted to do. So let me just actually do it. And uh, so that was, that was when it started. I was in college. So then what do you do? You want, you're in LA and you want to become a DJ and so do a bunch of other people. So, so why are you? I I was actually in Santa Barbara at the time when I started, um, but I think I finally, I, I downloaded, I really, I got the itch. The itch was just too strong. It needed to be scratched. Like uh, I was, I was using this like YouTube DJ thing or whatever. And I, and it was, I actually got pretty decent at it, but it's like just constantly makes two records from YouTube. Like you can't do that, you know, just like, and try to, and try to ask, scratch that itch. You know what I mean? Um, so eventually I just, uh, I downloaded virtual DJ because um, it was free software, I couldn't afford any software and um, like or any like you know equipment, and I downloaded that and I just immediately went to work on it. Just started learning everything I could learn about it. Um, just stayed on it all day long. I'd be on it for like ten hours a day in my room, and then finally come out when it'd be like time to party. And I would just take what I was doing for, in my room for ten hours a day, uh, and then just take it to the party and just do the same thing and see how the people would react. So 
by the time I came back to LA, I kind of, I knew how to DJ. Uh, on, I knew how to DJ digitally. I still didn't really know how to use equipment. Um, but it gave me like a nice foundation. And then uh, finally, I, I think, I, I don't know, it just, virtual DJs is a really good program. And the, the, the ability to like take it digitally from just doing it like on my laptop to take it to like using equipment is like, it's pretty seamless actually. So uh, it was it was pretty natural for me once I went to using equipment and using decks and stuff like that. So once I got to LA, like it was, I, I linked up with friends that, that had equipment and I just got to practicing and then that was it. And just like I said, it was just a very natural organic thing for me, so. As we mentioned in the intro, you're a resident at Sound Nightclub, which is arguably the hottest nightclub in LA for house music anyway. And how did that relationship begin? Um, I've been going to Sound for like, since it opened. Um, Micah, Micah Smith, who you all know, another co-founder of Understated and Understated Recordings. Uh, he used to live down the street from Sound. And so we went like from opening night to like, we would, we'd go like almost every weekend. And so that was like my initial beginnings with Sound. And as I started going more, I started to know people at the door and started, you know, making friends there and, and whatnot. And, uh, and then eventually started, you know, getting a wristband to go, you know, backstage. And then, and then eventually, um, I met. Uh, also, I had I've had a long-standing relationship with uh, with Bones, Trevor Bones. So, um, uh, he he uh, he's always like looked out for me and like you know giving me opportunities and stuff like that when, when he's whenever he's had the chance to. So, one night he asked me to play uh, on the patio at Sound with him. They had the patio as a stage at one point. Um, and so that's really that was my. That was like one of my first times ever playing there. Um, and then from there, I met uh, Mark Andrzejczyk, who's a talent buyer, and he really liked me. And he and I connected and we became good friends. And uh, I just kept working though. I kept playing a bunch of like free gigs where I wasn't on the fly, but it'd be like, oh, come play back to back with this person. And then uh, house heads happened. They started doing the house heads parties. And then um, they asked me to come play at the, like, the first, you know, the first like six or seven or eight house heads. And then eventually they were like, okay, well, we'll give you your own, you know, we'll put you on a flyer and then that spiraled into now, you know, getting books more and more and then becoming an uneventual resident. So it was a slow process. I mean, it took like about, I feel like, you know, a couple of years to really like from the first time I played there to like getting a residency. But um, it was a, it was, it was a really, it was a really, I'm glad I went through that process because it was a goal that I had always wanted to reach. And I felt really good at attaining that goal. I felt really like, okay, you know, if you just, Put your head down and you know put your mind to it you can really do anything as cliche as that is but yeah so that's that's how that came about though just being around networking being being involved you know supporting showing up just, just being a face and uh eventually when getting the you know getting called on and getting you know a chance to showcase what you can do just making the most of that opportunity you know i, I firmly believe that like even if like people should uh even if even if it's like free just take the opportunity you know you can you can write your own ticket from there after and I think a lot of kids maybe nowadays want that immediate, like, I showed up, like, or I made this hot record, like, why can't, why am I not getting booked yet, you know, and it's just like, you know, pay your dues, like I said, you know, take that opportunity, and, and even if it's a free one, write yourself the ticket, you know, that way then no one can use that against you, you know. So. And would you say that that was the story with... Um all of the parties that you've played in LA, you know, you've played for clinic, you've, mm -hmm. um, you've played on, uh, you know, you played with 900 block, you played, you know, I mean, the list, you played at nameless in Santa Monica, like, you know, yeah, you've done, done so many different venues. Mm -hmm. Um, did that all sort of build from the sound re relationship that you had or, or were they all <laughs> separate kind of journeys with those crews? 
uh, they've all fed into each other. Like one thing has led to that, one thing has led to that, one thing has led to that. Like it's all kind of like webbed, you know. It's like if you could like hold it up and like with the different flyers and attach like string to it, you could, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on like a on like a excuse me on like a bulletin board or something, you would see like how the different things connected. So it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to say which which led to what, but uh, sound definitely led to a lot of opportunities for sure. Sound led to more of the festival stuff that I've done. Um, like playing Splash House and getting to play Coachella and Silent Disco and stuff like that. Um, and minimal whereas, effort, right? And, and minimal effort. Uh, no, that was uh, actually just, I, I, Clinic was just very similar to how sounds, very similar story to how sound became about. Just I would go all the time and I made friends with Cyril and uh, made friends with Izzy and just kind of, you know, would show my face and, you know, would, would, wouldn't really ask for much, but just would show my face. They knew who I was and eventually when the time came, they would, they, they, you know, they called on me, so. But that's what that's what led to minimal effort was the whole clinic clinic thing. And then with 900 block, uh, uh, Mikey and I just knew each other from around the scene and, you know, like just made friends. He, that's like my DJ, like soulmate, <laughs> Mikey. So um, so we, we really connect on like our music tastes and we and uh, we, we love like playing with each other and, and like, you know, vibing with each other on that level. So uh, it was that was pretty easy. And then, yeah, as far as everything else, yeah, it's literally just come from just being around and networking and, and making friends and, and not, and, and, but not networking to like get something out of it. You know what I mean? Networking to truly connect with people who love the music as I do, you know, and, and networking to really, to, 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 you know, find a, find a tribe of people who really share the same thoughts and ideas about music as I do. So I think when you do it like that, things just will happen naturally because if you, you know, it's, it's a natural connection. And if you think, if you throw a party and you think that there's someone out there that, you know, that understands what you what you want for your party, then you know naturally they're going to book you. So, and I think with my music taste being as a uh, wide ranging and diverse as it is, I think I can fit into a lot of different slots and scenarios um, for different promoters and different people. So you know, and and yeah, so it all it all kind of just works itself out. I think you know, just just being genuine and being you know, being real and, and just being about the art as well. You know. It's so interesting because it's actually come up a few times on the show, and particularly on the last episode about you, you've got to be in the tribe at some point to be able to lead them later, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you got to, you got to, uh, you know, make change from inside first before you can change it from the outside. So yeah, you have to, uh, I, I think that's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of paying, paying dues, you know, just, 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 uh, I, and, and learning a lot too from being in the tribe as opposed to just wanting to jump in and run the tribe. You know, you have to learn how to run the tribe first. So you have to know what works, what doesn't work. And you only will learn that from, from being just a, a, a member of the tribe, you know, just, just kind of going about and, and, and picking things up, you know? Um, and then when it feels time to make the jump into like, you know, being a leader, leading the tribe, starting your own thing, then, you know, after some years of experience, you'll, you'll know what to do and it'll feel right, you know, and it'll feel natural and, and it'll be easier. You know, you don't have to force it. So tell me about how understated recordings began. How how did you all get to know each other originally? And then uh -huh. what was the motivation at the beginning? Um, well, okay, so it started with the understated parties first. So that was in 2016. Um, and understated started because Micah and I were DJing and producing together under the name Sunset Groove. We were making like really jazzy, soulful, deep house music and disco and stuff. Very like reminiscent of old Cascade type stuff. Um, 
And uh, that project didn't work out. We, we put out a couple releases, you know, we played some really cool gigs and we had a lot of people. And, uh, but since the project kind of fell apart, nothing was really happening with it. Sounds were, the sound of, you know, the, of the scene was changing a little bit. Things were going, going a little darker, a little, you know, techier. Mike and I naturally gravitated towards that and uh, we, we dissolved our Sensei Guru project, but, you know, still wanted to be in the industry. We, um, we wanted to come up with something else. And um, Zach, who's my best friend, been my best friend for the past, I don't know, 10, 11 years, he, he was managing us. And uh, uh, Micah was hanging out at EJAX a lot and he made friends with Eric and Eric asked us to help him with a party that was going on at the time. And, um, and we, we helped him and it was a great, it was a great job. And we, you know, we did a great job and it was a great party and uh, we, we thought we could do it. And so we were like, let's, let's, let's throw a party. It's kind of happened like that. And then um, from there we were trying to think of names. And then one day Zach was like, what about understated? <laughs> and it, right away we're like, holy shit, that's amazing. Um, so then uh, we called Micah right away and Micah loved it. And so we just, got down to work and then Micah enlisted Andrew Conti and Nengland from and uh, McKenna from uh from UCLA and they helped out with like ticketing and and um and just helping us with like the the internal stuff that like like technology stuff that we suck at like using ticketing platforms and using uh and, and different doing different things like that um yeah just we, we did our first party in November of 2016 um with a really stacked lineup and the party went so well beyond our wildest expectations and uh, we were like okay we have something here our friends knew it we knew it you know our peers knew it and uh, just kept going from there we, we did like i think we did four parties that year and then uh by the time of i think almost i think maybe like several months later we were like hey we we, we met we made so many friends and made so many connections and made friends with so many producers that we were that uh that were you know wanting to release music but didn't you know either bigger labels were picking it up and they don't, or they just didn't know where to take it. And it was really good stuff. So we were just like, Hey, why don't the parties are doing really well. I think we have enough of a following and enough confidence and trust in us that I think we could, you know, start a label. Uh, and we just went for it and we just, we just did it. And, um, so that's how the label started. And we, we were going to call it, uh, understated records. Um, and that was taken on like different social media platforms. So we were like, Oh, let's just go understated recordings. Um, USR, and then um, it just it went from there. The first record we picked up was was a uh, was this guy, uh, our friend Mon Von Golds from uh, he's from Arizona, by the way of Germany. Um, and he had this record called Defectio that he didn't know what to do with, and certain labels weren't signing it. So, like I said, we had the platform and we had the fan base, and we were like, let's try it, and we released it, and it went really well. Actually, it ended up charting on Beatport, like our first release. Um, and then a uh, second release was uh, Anakeem, and that did really well as well. And that ended up charting on Beatport. So, and once again, it was one of those things like, okay, I think we have something here. So, um, and uh, it's, it's the label's kind of taken a life of its own, which, uh, which is what we wanted. And uh, we wanted the label to feed into the parties and the parties to feed into the label and just have this, you know, this brand of just rotating, you know, things happening where it's like, we jump to the label, we could throw a party, we could infuse the label and the party and, and the event brand. And, you know, we could make it, uh, you know, turn this into a big artist collective as well. And, you know, it, it's, it's really cool. It's really like really fascinating to see. And I'm just, yeah, I'm really proud of everyone for, for what they, you know, how they contributed and what we accomplished. Of course. And uh, you're head of A&R at the label, right? Yes. So, um, 
what do you is there is there a theme that sort of that you find that, uh, things that grab your attention um you know yeah. I, I i particularly wanted to talk to you about this because yeah for sure you know we're in a world now where you know it's very easy to get hold of the same samples and sounds yeah, of and, as everybody else and mm -hmm. um and you know whilst it's it's really wonderful that you can access the skills and the knowledge and the software and sure there's a little bit of investment at the beginning but once you have it you can start making stuff pretty fast yeah um, so therefore it must be harder to cut through that noise and get someone someone's attention like yourself right who's listening to a bunch of music all of the time yeah absolutely. Um, and then you must have to create a shorthand of how to filter quite <laughs> quickly right as well yeah um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm naturally a very quick judge of music. <laughs> like, so it's, if I hear something I don't like, I'm just like, all right, all right I, already, I already know. Like, I can listen to like the first like 10 seconds and skip to the middle, listen to like the next 10 seconds, and I'll know right away if it's something that I like or not. And I'll know right away if it's something that's right for the label or not. So it's pretty quick. Um, but with, yeah, with that said, there's a, there's a theme, there's an aesthetic, there's, a, there's like a sound that I look for. I mean, we're throwing, you know, I kind of base it on how we started, which is we started throwing warehouse parties, you know, dark, sweaty warehouse parties. So with, with you know, minimal lighting and kind of like an ethereal vibe to them, you know. So that's kind of what I look for in the music. Like, will this, basically, I, it started with, I, I was like, I asked myself, could I play this at our parties? But that's, that's kind of the first thing I asked myself. Would I be able to play this at one of our parties? Um, and... From there, I kind of just, and then I, then I'm like, okay, well, does does this really actually like? Is there something in the groove that I like that resonates with me? Is there, is there, a, is there a sound that I really like? You know, is there, is there a, a tempo or a rhythm that I really like? You know, but uh, but 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 the but the theme and the aesthetic does. I do want it to be darker and um, and and definitely something that that feels like it's coming out of like the warehouse. You know, so like you can you can even see in our artwork, it's like. It's very, you know, the art, the art's very minimal, like, you know, like, like flashes of light, but dark and kind of ethereal looking, you know, um, and I think the art matches the music as well. So, if, if you know, if people have questions, I'm, I get funny when people ask, like, what, what's the vibe you guys, are, what, what, what's the vibe you guys go for? I'm like, I don't know, look at the art. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I kind of, uh, and, and I, I don't know, there's, there's like a, there's a, it's hard to explain, but there's, there's just, a, there's just a sound that i hear and that you know that andrew hears and we kind of know what we like right off the bat you know what we want to what we what we want from, from from people you know um can't really you can't really explain it but it's something that you know we we know you know together um but yeah i do i do like for producers out there that are listening if you want to send stuff i do like stuff that's a bit hazy and uh really funky and dark and uh soulful as well so <laughs> that's that's kind of the best way I can describe it. I think it's really interesting that you tapped into so much visual stuff in answering that question. You know, yeah. and you're all, I know that you also work in fashion too. Yeah, and and um, I actually think it's quite refreshing that you're thinking of tracks you want to sign based on an experience and Absolutely. what it will be like on the dance floor of an understated party versus just in the ears of someone who might like house music. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, 
Well, yeah, I, I work in fashion as well. Um, I'm a I'm a assistant buyer and merchandiser at a at a boutique in West LA called Black Market, and um, been there for like five years. So it's definitely something that's a, a big part of my life and who I am. Um, I was also a studio art major in college, so yeah, I I grew up drawing. That was actually my first artistic passion before music was was, was uh, drawing and art. So um, I was a, like a graffiti artist and stuff. So that that. So visuals are a really big part of what, of the aesthetic of like what I like and of, of how I see music. Also, also have a sound of color synesthesia. So I see color in music and um, it really helps with like, that's another thing that actually really helps with my DJing and kind of guide a narrative to like what I like to play. And that's, you know, I, I gravitate towards like kind of ethereal pink, pink colors and purples and, and blues and, and things like that. And, kind of very airy, airy colors. And um, so, yeah, that all that all ties into like what I like on the label. I mean, and like if you can go, you, you listen to our catalog, you know, most things, even like the harder, more driving techno songs are pretty, have this airiness to them, you know, and have this like kind of psychedelic tinge and this, this, this color, this, like, you know, this just a uh, specific color palette. Um, and uh, it, yeah, I, I, I think those colors are really pleasing on the ear and, uh, they're really nice to listen to, even if the music is a little hard and a little heavy. It, it's it's it can still be good headphone music, I think, and um, and that's what I like. I like I like that head effect, that head high. I call it the head high, body high effect, where it's like you can hear it in your head, you can feel it and see it in your head, and it's really beautiful. And it's not it's not very jarring, but like it's really hard on your body, and it really does make you dance, and it does move your body, and like you know, and I think that's that's kind of. That's kind of what I, you know, that that's just, I think that's what to me works, work, what works best, you know, on the dance floor and, you know, in the club, because, you know, it's, it's nice. It's not like if you're in a dark room and then, you know, you can get the visual of like closing your eyes and it's like beautiful around you. And then also you're dancing and then you open your eyes and it's dark again, you get in this like psychedelic kind of kaleidoscopic effect of like sensory overload effect of, of just of the music, but, but it's, but it's never too harsh because it's also really beautiful and you can listen to it on your headphones as well. If, if, you know, if, if you're not in the club, cause I think a lot of, I think the problem, not a problem, but there's just, uh, there's at least a thing with me with, with dance music. I, a lot of times I find myself when I'm not in the club, not listening to dance music because a lot of times it's either too repetitive or it's not very nice on, on the ears and, and it's not very pleasing to listen to, you know? And, and I, but I, you know, but I, I, I think that like, I think DJs, I think, and producers, I think if we, you know, maybe started making music that was more easy on the ears to listen to outside of the club, um, but that was still very driving and particularly, you know, sounded really good in the club as well. I think that would, I think that would do a lot for the culture of like dance music as a whole, because it wouldn't just be music that people just recognize as music for clubs. It'd be music that people like, okay, I can, you know, listen to this outside of a club too. And I could really grasp the concepts of like, you know, this type of music outside of the club. And I think it would open up people's you know, the greater consciousness of, you know, like people listening to music out, you know, to like what we're doing, you know, on our side. And and maybe I think, you know, make the scene better for, you know, for just gaining more exposure. So it's hard to explain, but <laughs> it was very heady. But, uh, but yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I come from England, obviously, where, yeah. you know, throughout the time that house music wasn't happening for a yeah. period in America, yeah. it was absolutely booming. Mm -hmm. in Europe and then yeah uh, it sort of picked up again in America 
um, yeah. uh, you know, LA particularly, and um, and now it's it's thriving. But where where is there still room for the scene to go in Los Angeles as you see it? Hmm. I think that I think I I think that people are going. I think I think. I think we've done it. I'm not saying we've done enough, but I think the people in the scene have done a lot to push the scene forward. I think it's just, I think it's people outside of the scene that are just going to have to start catching on to it and really realizing like what what it is that we're doing over here, you know? Who but are you I, thinking about when you say that? Um, kind of like like hip hop kids and and uh, just regular everyday folk, you know? Like because wh where I work, like a lot of people, there's customers that come in that are like familiar with what I do. Some customers even recognize me. It's really funny, but. A lot of times if I'm like talking to my customers or like a coworker or just a work colleague and like I, I explain to them what I do outside of the store, they have they haven't a clue. Whereas if I could say, you know, if I said I'm a rapper, you know, they would know what that is right away. They would they would be familiar, they would understand it, you know what I mean? But like I remember I was talking to this guy in my store and he was just like he saw he said that he had saw Jamie XX recently at Adult Swim Festival. And he was like, yeah, he was such a good DJ. Like he, he was playing all of his, he was playing all of his, all of his original stuff. And then he was DJing other people's stuff as well. I was like, yeah, that's like kind of the whole point. You mean um, being I'm, a DJ? Yeah, exactly. I was like, that's, that's what this whole culture is, you know, <laughs> like I, it, but like he, but you could tell he was kind of more of like a, you know, someone else probably more into him. What do you think, like, what do you think he was expecting? I, see, that's the thing. People just don't know. Like people just don't really understand what this culture is. They think it's just a dude up there pushing fucking buttons, doing nothing, like just taking, you know, just like playing sounds. And it's like, no, these people are playing songs uh, that they've made, you know what I mean? But they're just made electronically. So it's kind of harder to translate it to like a full composition as opposed to where you could just play the record, you know, on, on, on record, on vinyl or like digitally, you know, through one single output, like, you know, a CD player. You know what I mean? And then play other people's music with that. People just don't understand that that's like the concept of what we, that we do over here. And that's my point of like saying like, back to Jamie XX, like he makes really beautiful, colorful music that can grab in like kind of the everyday person. You know what I mean? That's, that still makes you dance. And I think that, I think part of it is the music comes off a little too harsh for people and it sounds repetitive. And I think that there needs, and I think that there needs to just be a little bit more, um, Broadening the color palette, I should say, or like, you know, the, like broadening the visual aspect that the music can have on like the brain, you know? Um, and, and, but yeah, back to the point, I think that like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that guy was expecting. I, I just think people just are very uninformed. And I think, but I think it's up to us to start informing people of what we do and then maybe using the music as a tool to start informing people as to, you know, of what we do as opposed to like, cause there's only so much lip service and talking about it you can do. Um, I think I think the music has to just start speaking for itself, you know. And if if you know, if, I think if that I think if that doesn't start happening, then I'm not gonna say we'll see a drop, but I don't think the scene is gonna progress into what it should. I think because you know, we, you go out, you know, you know, pretty much everyone, you know, when you go out, you know what I mean. It's all the same faces, and that's great, and it, it, you know, it shows that it's a community. But I think for the scene, I think in order for the scene to grow and progress, there needs to be bringing a bringing of new people and new and new influences and new sounds and new and new culture you know new new you know different cultural influences um so i think the scene's healthy i think the scene can go places but i do think there's a little bit more work that we can do in like broadening the scope a bit more i guess you could say and um and um pulling in different people from different from different uh different areas of, of you know of, of culture and art and music just 
because you know that that's how hip-hop is thriving so much right now you know and i also have a background in hip-hop and so i'm very familiar with like what my brother works for def jam so i'm still very familiar with what's going on in the hip-hop scene you know and i see that you know that scene's growing and growing you know every day and it's because they're pulling in from so many different places and there's such an open there's such a culture of like open creativity you know um and just like kind of doing what the fuck you want and i think that that's kind of where things need to go to again you know that's what and that's you know why i play the way i play that's why i like playing techno that's why i like playing disco that's why i like playing house that's why i like playing deep house because it's you know i think i think just just the openness of that and is is very like i think i think we need that you know and uh you see that a lot in europe right now with the with the dennis Sultas and the Mograbs and the, uh and the elliot adamson's and, and you know ninth house vulture like the, that that crop of producers like they're, they're they're playing everything you know and they're pulling from everywhere and and they're making it they're making it work too and it, it's really it's it's really exciting to hear and to see you know yeah but it's also a fine line isn't it because yes you, you know that there's there's a cap on how commercially available the scene becomes right True. absolutely and you want to well dance music in its more general form which is how i tend to refer to it anyway yeah but you know, if you think about the disco roots, um, yes. uh, you know, it was always kind of a subculture, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, to a degree. And and which is what makes it sexy and exciting. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want the support of the city within which you're operating and equally to be left alone. Yes, so it's, it's it's a fine line, isn't it? It's a balance. <laughs> it's true. It's true. No, it, you're right. It is. It is definitely a balance. Um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess you kind of want the support from the right people, um, and you know, you, you definitely don't want you know a bunch of crazy people coming in either. It's fucking up the vibe for sure. Um, and uh, I guess I'm just. I guess I just think that um, just being around different people that don't understand what we're doing over here has really kind of made me think like. Hmm, well, what can we start doing for people to start understanding what we're doing over here? Because what we're doing over here is great. And I think that people, the people that ask me about it are genuinely curious, you know, and I, I think I take that genuine curiosity as them maybe wanting to experience what we're doing, you know, what, what, what are the culture we have. If there was one thing mm-hmm. that you would like people to know about the dance music scene in Los Angeles, what would it be? It's a good question. There's like 10, but I'll pick out the best. <laughs> uh, I'll allow you three. Okay, three. Um, let's see. I'll just I'll start with just a really basic one. The music is really good. Um, it's just it, I think I think a lot of people can really resonate with it if they try to understand it. Two, um, the people are amazing in the scene. Um, you meet I think you meet some of the coolest, just most. Uh, down to earth at times, but mostly down to earth, just just interesting people, you know, with interesting backgrounds and interesting stories and and, uh, and just just interesting energy, you know. And then um, number three, uh, we're all just trying to have fun. We're just we're just trying to party. We just wanna. It's a bunch of people that just like to have a good time, you know, and just kind of let us let us do that. But also come join us. Like we're we're having fun over here, you know. And we're I, really good at it. And we're really fucking good at it. Exactly. We know what we're doing. <laughs> but you know what? I think I think that like I think there's really great social implications though of uh, of kind of like you know that can come from from uh, 
what we're doing in our scene, you know, it's because we can week in and week in out. It's a bunch of people from different backgrounds, different races, from different ethnicities, different creeds, different sexual orientations, different religions coming together and dancing to this one common thing and coming together and, and enjoying and celebrating in this one common thing, uh, which is this music that we love, you know, and um, I think that a lot of mainstream society could really, you know, take cues from a kind of what we're doing over here I, I absolutely genuinely believe that you know like um and and that's part of the reason why i think this message of or this 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 uh this this energy needs to get out to more people you know like because it really is uh it's, it's a really powerful thing and i think it really is uh it, it could really it could really change the way people the way people operate in the world and the way people see each other in the world and the way people respect each other and communicate and and uh and love and i think it, Things are so divisive right now and it's you know it's it, it i think the world needs more of what we have over here and i think and i think part of that is yeah you know and, that, and that's that's kind of my mission at least for my you know my own personal mission that you know for, the, for this for the scene and where i think the scene could go and i think la could play a huge part in that i think la could play a huge huge part in that because you know I, I the the way i think the more we the more we get become known on a global scale as a, as like a scene with, you know, a city with a scene. I think that, uh, I think that we could start pushing out this message of like togetherness more, you know? So that's, that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> what a fantastic way to round up the interview. And just before you go, uh, we're coming yeah. towards the end of the year and yes. we've got a new one on the way. So what do we have to look forward to going into Let's... 2020? So uh, actually, some I announced this on another podcast, but I'll announce it here too because um, it, it had to get postponed. So I'm going to start. I'm going to have my own nights um, at Dirty Laundry um, called. I haven't thought of a name yet, but the working title is Raw Feelings, and it's going to be the music's going to sound just like that, Raw Feelings, and it's it's going to be my different DJ friends and, and myself uh, that I whoever I feel like bringing in. And I'm really excited. It's a new chapter for me. I've never had my own solo night to curate how I want to create it artistically and sonically. So um, uh, Nala is playing the first one. Shout out to Nala. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it for right now. I mean, just focusing on the label, focusing on understated recordings, um, focusing on the parties. Oh yeah, we have our three-year party coming up uh, in January. That's going to be... I'm excited about really that. Solid one. Yeah, it's going to be a really solid one. Um, and then we have a, we're doing a party with 900 Block uh, early next year as well. Yeah, so stay tuned for that as well. And then... Um, All right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I'm glad we've got you on early into our collaboration. Um, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> we've, we've now got you know, like two of two of the team on anyway, and we'll work our way through yeah. all of them. And Mike, uh, we haven't called you Mike for the whole show. I've been calling you just Mr. <laughs> Frazier, but, um, but Mike has done a really amazing guest mix for us, which is coming up right now. So get your ears wrapped around that and uh, we will see you or you will hear from us the next time we come on, which is in two weeks time. But thanks for being on the show, Mike. And yeah, um, uh, happy new year. You and too, man. I'll be seeing lots of you, no doubt. Absolutely. Love, brother. See ya. See ya. The Guest Mix.
Understated LA.
So in the background, you are hearing an understated recordings track that we premiered on the last show. It's Chicago by the 900 block Stefan CA. And it seems like a perfect moment to tell you about their four year anniversary show. That's the 900 blocks four year anniversary. And it's coming up on Friday, the 13th of December with Vitesse doing a live act, Hidden Spheres, Creolo, and of course, resident Stefan CA and Michael Pham. It's going to be a hot one. I'll be there and so will all the understated crew. And uh, I hope you are too.
the guest mix. Get 
You're listening to the Understated Recordings Podcast, LA Underground. And that is all we have on the show this week. What an amazing guest mix that was from Understated Zone, Monsieur Frazier. And coming up on the next show is a very special guest. He's been around the block with basically every serious label out there. It's Bot. And I'm so excited for you to hear that interview. Thanks for tuning in to Understated Presents LA Underground with me, Rukin. Come and let us know what you think on iTunes. Leave a review, subscribe, and any other thoughts, please come to Twitter and talk to us at UnderstatedLA or at RukinOfficial. For now, see ya.
Understated LA.